Good morning, Bridge Church. We invite you to stand and worship with us this morning. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb. Till I met you I was breathing but not alive All my failures I tried to hide It was mine too hey! Till I
online and maybe you don't know how good our God is yet. I believe this morning you could find out about the goodness of our God. I love the way Psalm uh, chapter 81 and verse 1, it says, I will sing of the steadfast love of our Lord forever. My mouth, with my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all 
generations. And can we just take a moment and all over this place, if you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands and your own words right there? Would you just tell God how good he is? Come on, just worship him right there for how good he's been. As we look over our shoulder at how faithful he's been to us, just worship him for a moment. God, you are so good. You are so faithful to us. God, your goodness never runs out. Your blessing doesn't run dry. Your well runs deep. Love and we worship you. God, we thank you for your goodness in this place. We thank you, God, that you are, you are a God that not only saves us but wants to bless us. God, we thank you that you are a faithful God. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never give up on us. You never turn your back on us. You never stop providing for us. You never stop healing us. You never stop delivering for us, God. You are a strong tower. You are our ever-present help in time of need. And so we will sing of the goodness of our God, and we worship you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, give him praise one more time. Bridge Church, Woo, you look good. I'm going to speak in faith and just say everybody watching online is also looking so, so good. Welcome if you're joining us online. We're so excited you are here with us as well. We are so excited that you're here. Anybody else excited to be in the house of the God of, of God this morning, man? I, I love spending Sundays with my church family. Ain't nothing like it. Already had my coffee this morning. Praise God. And it's going to be a great morning. We have an awesome morning planned for you. Why don't you turn around, say hi to somebody, wave at somebody maybe from far away, wave up at the people way up high. Somebody look at the camera, say, hello, online audience. Hey, Bridge family, and welcome to church. We are so grateful to spend this day with you and with your family, and we hope that you feel right at home and will enjoy our time together. There's a place for everyone in this church family, and we want to let you know about all the things that are happening here in the church so that you can get involved. And here's what's coming up at the bridge. Hey parents, just a reminder, Bridge Kids is now open for both the 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. service each Sunday for infants up to fifth grade. And don't forget to register your child for Level Up Kids Day Camp. The early bird rate ends April 25th. So for more details, please visit our website, thebridgechurch.tv. It's going to be a blast. Mia, I'm so excited for this Friday night. Oh, me too. It's been too long since we've gathered indoor for Bridge Women Night. I'm so expecting, and there is still time to register, girls. Don't miss out. And make sure you're following along on social media this week for updates and all the details. See you Friday night at 7 p.m. Hey, Bridge Men, we are gathering this Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you there. We've had a great time this year talking about what it means to be biblical men of integrity, applying God's word to our lives, and applying it to the issues of our day. Not only have we had great discussions, but we've had a good time just hanging out and building friendships with other guys here at the bridge. So mark your calendars and make your plans to join us this Saturday morning at 8.30 for Bridge Men. We will see you there. If you're new to the bridge, we want to help you get plugged in and find your place in this family. So stop by the info center after this service and say hi to our team. They would love to meet you and answer any questions that you might have about the church. You can also stay up to date with everything that's coming up by downloading the bridge app. Just text the keywords, the bridge church app to 77977. And for more general info, check out our website bridgechurch.tv. Thanks again for being in church with us today, and we love spending Sundays with you and with your family. How you doing today? 
Hey, it's good to see you this morning. So glad that you're here with us. Those of you who are joining us online, thanks for joining us as well. If it's your first time at the bridge, we extend a special welcome to you. Thanks so much for being here today. We know there are a lot of great churches in the valley, and for you to be here with us, we're really honored that you're here. Can we just put our hands together and welcome our first-time guests? Thanks for joining us. Today I want to dive in a little bit to one of the great chapters in the Bible. They're all great, they're all important, but I believe it's really a highlight chapter in the Bible. It's found in the Old Testament, it's Psalm 91. If you've got a Bible and want to turn there, if not, we'll have the verses on the screen. Psalms 91 is one of the great chapters in the Bible, and many Bible scholars, many Bible teachers tend to call it God's insurance policy. How many have got insurance today? How many have got home insurance, homeowners or renters insurance? Or you've got car insurance? How many of you have got life insurance? Uh, how many men? How many of you men have got life insurance on your life? Eh? It, if you've got life insurance, it's a good reason to stay in good standing with your wife. Just a thought. You know, some, some people say, well, I am, <laughs> I am insurance poor. Because we have to have insurance, it seems, for everything today. But Psalms 91 talks about the insurance, the assurance, the safety and protection we have in life when we trust the Lord. You know, 13 months ago, uh, I got up on a Sunday morning and I read from Psalms 91, several of the verses, and there's some great verses there. And yesterday I just felt a stirring in my heart to come back to Psalms 91 and today what I want to do is I want to address three important questions from Psalms 91. Now, I'm not going to take time to read the entire chapter. Uh, I want to encourage you, go home and read it this afternoon, this evening, or first thing in the morning. Read through the chapter slowly. It's not real long. But understand the conversation because the psalmist talks about his position, about God's position, what God says and what we say in response to him. It's really a neat, neat conversation in Psalms 91. But I want to dive into it today. Let's begin at verse 1, Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place, everybody say the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to pause here, and I want to talk about this first question today. He who dwells in this secret place of God will be abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Evidently, God has what the psalmist calls a secret place. A secret place. But if you look a little more closely, the word secret here means a covering place. What the psalmist was saying was, in God there's this place of covering, a place of shelter, a place of safety and protection. Where the enemy cannot enter, he cannot get to you. And the psalmist in the translation calls it a secret place, but it's really referring to a covering place place of protection and he says here that evidently God invites us to live there the word dwell means to stay there to live there and as I think about this today it, it brings this first question to my mind the question is so where have I been living where have I been living he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Am I dwelling there? Am I living in this secret place? Am I living, living in this place of God's covering and safety and protection? Am I living there? Let me ask you today, where are you living? Where are you living? If we read a little further in Psalms, Psalms 31, 19 says this 19 and 20 oh how great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men in other words god has this place even when people rise against us where he can protect us then it says in verse 20 you shall hide them god will hide them in the secret 
the covering place of his presence. So you say, okay, I, I want to live in this secret place, this covering place. Where is it? It's in God's presence. In God's presence, when we deposit our life, everything we have, our future, when we put it all in his hands and we choose to walk with him and dwell with him, we begin to rest in this covering place of safety. It's found in the presence of God. God's secret place is his presence. And God's presence provides a secret place. So who's allowed to live there? Who can live in the presence of God? Because I know what's going on. Some people's minds are thinking, well, yeah, some people might get to live there, but it's not for everybody. It's certainly not for me because I'm not this and I'm not this and I'm not perfect and I'm still struggling with some things and I've got questions and on and on and on it goes. Let me tell you something. Scripture is very clear about who can live in that covering place of God. These verses tell us, number one, those who fear him, those who reverence him, those who respect him, those who believe him, they will dwell in the presence of God and in that secret place. I think what it's saying to us there in verse 19 is, those who take God at his word, they will be in a safe place. You know, I think a lot of people have the question, okay, there, there's so much in the Bible and there's so much this and so much that and there, there's so many books and so many pages. What, what does God really want from me? Can, can I sum it up in one phrase? Do you know what God really wants from us? He wants to be believed. He wants us to believe. He wants us to walk in this faith that says God is true. God's word is true. He's real. What he says he will do, his promises are settled forever. I can take God at his word. And when we begin to do that, it causes us to draw closer to God and we enter into this place of reverence where we're not afraid to come into the presence of God, but everything that comes out of his mouth, we respect it and we respond to it because we know it's true. And when we come to that place of reverencing the Lord, Believing what he says, responding to his word, it brings us into a place of safety. And then the second thing he says in verse 19, it's also a place for those who trust him. Those who trust him. The word trust there really means to run or to flee from danger and run to God. To flee from danger and to run to God. So let me ask you a couple questions on this. When danger comes, who's the first one you call? When problems arise, who's the first one you come? Well, call. Well, it depends on what kind of problem. Can I tell you something? When situations arise beyond our control, the first call needs to be to God. He needs to be our first call. Second question, where do I run to in times of danger? If you have to flee, where are you going to flee to? Another county? Another city? Another state? Another country? You know, there are a lot of people in our world today, right here in our country, trying to figure out, well, where can I go to get away from all of this? Best place you can run to is God. And I'm going to tell you something. The answer to those two questions, who is your first call? Where do you run to in times of danger? The answer to those questions really reveals where our trust has been placed. Who are we trusting? Psalms 20 says this, some trust in chariots, some in horses. See, David said, David the psalmist said, man, you can trust in your armies. You can trust in the power and the might of your own hand and your own kingdom. But he goes on to say, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Can I tell you one of the, one of the problems a lot of us face in, in walking with God today? We want to be in two hiding places at one time. This past Friday night, Ann and I watched our grandkids for a while. And in our time with the grandkids, before they went to bed, they wanted to play hide and seek. How many of you are still playing hide and seek with your grandkids? Okay. See, I'm, a, I'm a good pops. I am a good pops. 
Don't always do it, but I did Friday night. So we're playing the very last time around. It's Waylon's time to be it. So what they do is they count to 20. They hide in. We, we have this little guest bathroom right in the main hallway of our house. So whoever's counting goes in there and closes their eyes. And everybody scatters in all directions and goes and hides. So last time around, we'd hid in several places. Waylon starts counting. And he puts his face against the wall and he closes his eyes. He's got his hands up like this. And I thought about it for a minute, and I just quietly walked right next to him, slid by, and just got behind the bathroom door. And when he finished, here I come. And he went all over the house and couldn't find me. He found everybody else eventually, couldn't find me. Libby helped look, couldn't find me. They're looking all around, they can't find me. Libby stumbles in the bathroom because she needed to use the bathroom. And, ah! She runs into me behind the door. You know what's funny about that? When danger comes, the safest place you can be is as close to God as you can get. The safest place for me to hide was right next to Waylon. He didn't know I was there. I was separated from him by a door. But you know, we overlook the obvious. Where do I go when trouble strikes? Bam! Run to the presence of the Lord. So the question is, where are you living today? You see, God casts a really big shadow. And when I am hiding and abiding under God's shadow, I know I'm safe. And so does the enemy. Let me tell you something. The enemy will not mess with you when you're hanging out close to God under his shadow. He will leave you alone. He knows he can't go beyond that line. And i got to tell you today... I want to learn to live in the presence of God. I started a journey several years ago, not just as a pastor and as a, as a minister and a teacher. I started a personal journey. I want to live every day, of my, every day of my life in the presence of God. Here's what Psalms 27 says. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And verse 5 says this. From the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a high rock. I want to live every day of my life in the presence of the Lord. So question number one, where have I been living number two look at psalms 91 verse 2 the next verse the psalmist says i will say of the lord now think about this i will say of the lord here's my thought about god here's my opinion about god here's what i know here's what i believe about god i will say of the lord he is my refuge and my fortress my god in him i will trust Second question, what am I saying about God and what am I saying about my circumstances? What am I saying about God? What am I saying about my circumstances? See, some people don't realize the importance of not just knowing what you believe, but letting what's in your heart come through your lips and stating your faith to God and those around you. You know what I do sometimes? I talk to my circumstances. You say, well, you're a crazy man. No, I'm not. I'm a spiritual, biblical man is what I am. I talk to my circumstances. Now, that may make me crazy in some people's eyes, but I talk to my circumstances. And you know what I tell my circumstances? I tell my circumstances what God says about my circumstances. It doesn't matter what I say. What's important is what does God say about it. And, and here's the thing. Words are important. Words are important, and God hears all of them. Matthew chapter 12, here's what Jesus said. But I say to you that for every idle word, that means every word that's misused, misinterpreted, that falls to the ground, every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. See, Jesus said, I'm going to give an account for what I'm saying. I'll show you why here in a moment. Verse 37, he went on to say, for by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. 
me tell you something. Words are important. Words are really important, and God hears all of them. That's why it's so important that my words carry the words of faith, the words of what God says about me. Words are important. Proverbs 18, 21 says that words are powerful. Not just important, but they're powerful. So, uh, Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I've known a lot of people who go through life sabotaging themselves with the words. They're always forecasting the worst, and then they walk right into it because that's what they're expecting. Words are powerful. Proverbs 15, 4 says that the tongue can bring healing or the tongue can bring brokenness. That's not just to others, it's to yourself as well. James 3 tells us that our words, what, what comes out of our mouth, what our tongue forms and speaks, it's like a boat's rudder. And it decides, it determines where we're going in the future. You'll think about those big, big ships, big boats. Some of you have got boats. Some of you have been on boats. Those big boats with powerful motors and those motors fire up and boom, that thrust comes and that boat starts moving. But it's that little rudder on the back of the boat that determines where that boat is going. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Our words determine where we're going. Now some will say, well, yeah, I know back 25, 30 years ago, those crazy charismatics, they got into all that. Yeah, I know they did. And some of them were knuckleheads. I got to tell you that. But I got to tell you something else. It doesn't change the truth of God's word. Our words are important. Our words are powerful. Our words set the course of our lives. I'll tell you a little story about that. Before Jesus was born, we know there was the birth of John the Baptist, just a little bit earlier. John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, was a priest. He was getting up in years, getting older, starting to look toward the end of his life. And one day he's in the temple doing the business of the priest when an angel shows up. And the angel says, Zacharias, you're a good man, a godly man. I've got good news for you. This is so exciting. You and Elizabeth, your wife, have never had any children, but you're about to have a son. He's going to be great. God's hand is on him. He's going to be filled with the spirit from his mother's womb. Man, great things are coming because of the son that's coming your way. And Zacharias says, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Now, that's not literally what he said. But it goes on to say later that he didn't believe he says, oh, I, 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 how can that be? I'm old, Elizabeth is old, we've never had kids. How, that's not going to happen. You see, God sent an angel to tell him, here's what's going to happen. And his words were, that's not going to happen. You know what the angel did? He says, here, this is a part of God's plan, and I don't want you messing it up. So he shut his mouth. He made him mute. He couldn't talk. He couldn't speak a word. He had to just write on a tablet. That's all he could do for several months until that baby was born. And the moment the baby was born and they said, what's his name? His mouth was loose and he said, it's John. Even though that wasn't the family name, he knew from the angel what he was supposed to say. But God had to shut his mouth. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of our futures would look better if God would reach in and just close our mouths for a while. We get this whole thing backwards. Well, God's not going to do that. God's not going to do that. How many theologians? God's not going to do that. God's not going to do that. Men in the pulpits. God's not going to do that anymore. He doesn't do it. Let me tell you something. We are limited by our faith in God. And when we say God won't do it, usually God's not going to do it. That's good preaching. I need to settle down because not everybody's as excited as me. See, I think, I think sometimes we get too much verbal interference with our futures. God's word of faith should be in our hearts, but it also needs to come out of our mouths. That's the way we walk into relationship with God. Romans 10 says, if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in our hearts God's raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. There's a connection there. We believe it in our hearts and then we say it with our lips. We need to understand the power of our words. It's that prayer of opening our hearts to God that brings us into relationship with him. It's not just what's in here. It's what we confess with our mouths that brings us 
into this relationship with God. Deuteronomy 13 in the Old Testament, Romans 10 in the New Testament, they bear witness to this truth. Our words are important. Hebrews 10, 23 says, hold on to your confession, your profession of faith, for God has made a promise and God is faithful to perform it. Hold on to what God has said. Don't turn loose of it. Keep saying what God says. All confession and profession is, is saying what God says. I'm going to tell you something. If you've got a challenge in your life today, stop saying what the devil says about it and start saying what God says about it. Amen. What am I saying about God? What am I saying about my circumstances? What is my verbal expectation? You know, I, I think it, it hurts God's heart. When I ask God to fulfill a promise and meet my need, when I ask God to do something, and then I walk away and with my words I say, well, I doubt God's going to do it. Well, I know if he will. He won't do it for me. I think that hurts God's heart. Those aren't words of faith. We need to agree with God. We go back to this verse. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my shelter. He's my fortress, my defender. He's my God. I will trust him. Let me tell you something. With everything going on in our world today, one of the best things we can do is get out of bed every morning and say, I put my faith in God. He'll defend me. He'll take care of me. He'll protect me. He's a good God and I'm his child. He said so and I'm taking it to the bank. That's my future. That's my future. Which brings me to verse number three in, in the third question. So where am I living? What am I saying about God and my circumstances? And the third thing, look at verse three. Psalmist says, surely, surely, he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You know, I think so many people read this verse and they, they hear it differently than what it's written. It says, surely he shall deliver you. See, I think a lot of people read that and say, well, surely he can deliver you. It doesn't say he can deliver you. It says he will deliver you. See, there's a difference between believing God can and believing God will. And there's a bigger difference in believing God will do it for me when it comes down to my faith. So the third question, what do I believe are God's intentions and his plans for me? What do I believe? What do I believe? Not what do we believe, not what do we teach. What do I believe are God's intentions and plans for me, for my future? Do I believe he's a deliverer? Then do I believe he will deliver me? See, the Bible tells us that his promises are his intentions for our future. He said, well, what can I expect from God in the future? The things he's promised in his word. See, that's what I need to wrap my heart around. I need to wrap my heart around what God says about my future, not what other knuckleheads say about my future. Anybody got any knuckleheads in your family? You know, I, I talk about my family now and then, and it's usually in the light of knuckleheads and, and so forth, because i got a lot of knuckleheads in my family. Some of them are watching online today, and I'll hear about it this afternoon probably. Well, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about your kids and your grandkids. And, well, that, that probably caused a bigger problem. But anyway, years ago I heard, heard a story. <clears throat> there was a missionary who was living in a, a part of the world that was very dangerous, part of the world where there were villages that had not yet been reached with the gospel and those villages themselves were dangerous for outsiders and one day this missionary felt a strong urge to go to a village that was quite a distance away it was a day's journey he felt like he needed to go there and, and share the gospel with that village because they'd never been reached and everybody in his group and those in the in the church that he had reached there they said oh no you can't go there that village is dangerous. But not only that, there are some dangerous canyons you have to pass through. And there are robbers there. And it's very common almost every week. Somebody gets attacked there, beaten, sometimes killed, and they're robbed of all their goods. You can't go there. But this missionary said, I feel like God's given me an assignment. I need to go there. I've got to go there. And so he got ready to go. And he could only find two people on the whole team who were willing to go with him. 
They started their all-day journey to this village. They moved along throughout the day and they got into the early afternoon and sure enough, going through one of these tight boxed canyons, they were attacked by a group of thieves and robbers. They came down upon them with machetes. One of them had a gun. When they came down, they said, give us your money. Give us all of your goods. And this missionary looked at them and said, you know what? We don't have really any money, any goods. We have so little. We're going to this village to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. He wants to change your life. We want to go tell this village about this. You need to let us go. And all of a sudden, those robbers just began to back away, and they lowered their weapons. And then they turned, and suddenly they began to run in all directions. The missionary and the two companions traveled the rest of the day. They arrived at the village, and to their dismay, when the people gathered that evening to hear the message, they looked in the crowd, and right on the front of the crowd were those thieves and robbers. And the missionary stopped and said, you know, I won't reveal anything in front of the crowd, but I know you guys. Why are you here? Why, are you, why did you run from us today? And they said, we saw you in the canyon, and we decided to attack you and rob you. But when we got down there, as soon as you began to talk about this Jesus and begin to tell us about him dying for us and him loving us, all of a sudden we were terrified because that 10 big, huge guys that came up and walked up behind you, we realized we couldn't take those guys on. Let me tell you something. We underestimate the power of God to protect us. If God has made promises for our future, if God has given you an assignment, and somebody in the room needs to hear this today, if God has given you an assignment, no devil in hell can come against the angels of God and stop them from completing what God has promised in your life. God holds your future in His hand. Trust Him. Trust Him. You see, what I believe are God's intentions for me will determine where I run to for help. What I believe God's intentions are for me will determine, do I see him as a good God or a not-so-good God? What I believe his intentions are for my future is going to shape what I believe and how I see Scripture and how I read Scripture. It's going to shape what I expect for my future. I say it all the time and. If you're new to the bridge, you maybe you haven't heard this, but I'm to, I want you to hear it today. God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. The future he has in his hand is better than your plans. You need to trust him and let him walk you into that future. Because, friend, it's blessed and it is good. It's good. And coming down to the end of the message, go back to Psalms 91 for just a moment. We we read verse 3, but, but I want to read just a little further, and I want you to hear what he said. Verse 3, he said, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. But he went on to say this, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. That's what's going to hold all of your defense and your... your uh, Weapons of warfare together. Verse 5 says, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. What the psalmist said was, God is saying, You don't need to be afraid of any of your enemies. None of them. No matter where they come from, what they try to do, you don't need to be afraid. Evidently, if you read his life, the psalmist lived with these expectations. Now think about that. With all that he went through, he lived with these expectations. But later in life, he wrote about his experience. Psalms 37, 25, he said, I once was young, but now I'm old. In all my days, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen God's family out begging for bread. 
I'll tell you something. God cares about your friend. He's planned your future. He wants to walk you into that, and it begins with coming to him. There's a story about Jesus just before he would go to the cross. And he went up over the city of Jerusalem and looked down on the people of that city. And I think with a broken heart, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I have so wanted to gather your children together as a mother hen would gather his chicks and protect you from the destruction that's going to come. But you wouldn't come to me. Can I tell you something? God's got good plans for you. You need to have good expectations for your future. But I've seen it all in my life. I've been in ministry 46 years now, and I've seen it time and time again. There are some people who will visit church now and then, but they never come to live in the presence of God, and they're always running to the wrong places when problems come. I believe today Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. If you're laboring, you're tired, you're weary, you're carrying a heavy load, come to me. I'll protect you and I'll give you rest. In this place today, I'm convinced, today, this moment, I know God wants to change how some of us see the future. He wants to change our address. He wants to change where some of us have been living. He wants to change who we're trusting. He wants to adjust and change what some of us are believing. He wants to change what some of us are saying. He wants to change what we're expecting from God for our future. By his spirit, he wants to do that right now. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads right where you are. The next few minutes, please, nobody moving. This is time with the Lord. It's time alone with the Lord. God's been dealing with my heart every Sunday morning. We need a time, we need a moment where we just rest in the presence of God and let God speak to us individually. I'm not talking about a public word of prophecy. I'm not talking about a gift manifestation. I'm talking about God by his spirit having a conversation with you right there where you are. Some of us need a moment with God today for God to adjust some things. I want to pray for you. Whatever God is saying to you in this service today, whatever it is, I want you to hear what the Lord says to you. Father, we come to you today and we are your children. We trust you. We believe you. Father, we're all so flesh and blood and sometimes we we struggle with the challenges of life. God, I know there are people in this room today who, who are struggling with some different kinds of challenges. It might be their health. It might be their finances. It might be family issues with a spouse or with children. It might be their, their business. It might just be a thousand questions It may may be a real spirit of fear that's come against them and it's battling them. But Father, today at this moment, I pray that every person in this room would look up to you and say, God, I'm going to run to you. I'm going to run to you today. I need a safe place to hide. I need some place to go that's different. Other things aren't working. God, I want to run to you and I want to trust you completely. Father, today I pray that you would speak to us about what we're saying about you and our future. That we could hear the promises of God. We can know they're forever settled in heaven and you want to bring them into our lives on earth in this life. And I pray today that we would begin to align our hearts and our words with you and we begin to shape our future with words of faith rather than words of doubt and fear and unbelief. God, our words are so important. 
God, I pray right now that a conviction would come into people's lives. We would realize we're not just seeing the glass half empty. Sometimes we're just negative and we speak words of unbelief. Father, bring me to a new place of faith in you where I believe every day of my life, no matter what's going on, if I abide under your shadow, the enemy cannot touch me there. And I'll speak words of faith, words of belief, words of trust in you. And finally, Father, I pray that for those who've got a dark shadow in their minds and their hearts hanging over their future, I pray right now that the wind of the Spirit would begin to blow and just blow those clouds out of their lives. That they'd stop believing what the world around is saying. They'd stop believing what the media says about doom. They'd stop believing all the evil reports and they would believe the word of God that we can endure to the end trusting you and you will always be our God and you will always supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God, just let your spirit just blow Blow the doubt, blow the fear, blow the gloom in the clouds out of our hearts, out of our minds, out of our lives. I come against a spirit of depression today. I come against a heavy spirit. I come against that heavy spirit that's caused people to want to give up. And I command it to be blown out of their lives today. Father, as your word says, I'll put on the garment of praise to fight against the spirit of heaven going to ask you all over this room in your own way just begin to worship God for a moment just begin to praise God for his faithfulness if you want to lift your hands that's fine if you just want to do it in your heart I don't care how you do it but just begin to praise God put on a garment of praise right now I command the spirit of heaviness to leave people's lives to leave this place and not come back there's a spirit of joy and peace and freedom and liberty in people's lives today we will not be bound by fear we will not be bound by unbelief but we will trust our God for everything. And God, we look to you today. And I ask you to change our outlook on the future. God, there are people right now who, who've got some situations they're going to deal with the next few days. Right now, we lay it at your feet and we ask you to be big, to be God in those circumstances. We're going to stay under your wings of protection. We're going to stay in that secret place of your hiding your protection, your covering. And God, we're going to trust you to rise up and do the things we cannot do and to meet the needs in our lives in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. One more prayer while heads are still bowed. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you're watching online or you're listening to this later on and you've never reached out to God, but maybe you find yourself in a moment right now where you realize that your trust needs to be in God. You've been trusting the wrong people and the wrong things. And you're realizing you need something eternal in which to anchor your faith and your trust. Maybe you've never walked with God. Maybe you've never embraced the fact that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to live a sinless life, die for our sins and be raised from the dead because God accepted his sacrifice. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus' sacrifice for your sins. Maybe you've never made it personal. But today you realize I need God in my life. I want to pray for you and with you right now. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Everyone in this room, everyone online, wherever you are hearing this message, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with us. Write out loud and just wrap your faith around these words and let these words become your words. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. I need you. Please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. His blood washes away my sins. I trust Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to learn your ways. I want to follow you. I want to see your blessing in my life. I want my eternal salvation to be secure in you. So I trust you completely. And from this day forward, I say, you are my God and I'm your child. I will follow you. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. If you 
prayed that prayer that we just prayed for the first time, or maybe you've been on the run from God, you've been the prodigal, been running the wrong direction. If you prayed that prayer, it's the most important prayer you can ever pray. It needs to come from your heart, it needs to come over your lips. But here's the thing. That's not the end of the journey. That's just the beginning of your relationship with God. And we feel like it's our responsibility to help you get started walking with God. And we've got a little tool, a little gift we'd love to give you today. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's just a little bit of simple reading for each of the next seven days this week to help you understand more about God's love for you, His care for you, His plans for your future, and what it means to be in relationship with God. We'd love to give this to you. If you're in the building when service is over today on each side of our auditorium, on each wing down in the front sections, we'll have prayer teams there. These are just everyday people like you and me. They're not weird. They're not goofy. They even use breath mints. They are good people. They're here to help you. They'd love to give that book to you. Just walk up to them and say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you want to talk, if you've got questions, they can help you. If, if you want prayer for something else, if you have a prayer for any need today, come to the prayer teams. They'll help you right there. Or if you're in a really big rush, as you leave the building today, right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit, there's a counter set up there. They'll give you the same booklet there. There's a sign overhead. Just walk up and say, can I get the booklet? They'll help you get started walking with God. If you're watching online, there are different ways you can get the booklet. Follow the instructions on your screen. Go to our website or to our church app. You can download that app. There's a way you can sign up right there, and we'd love to get this to you in an electronic file. We want to help you get started walking with God. Can we just welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. And, you know, I, I just want to say this real quickly before I, before I conclude service. Uh, you might be in the building today or you might be watching online saying, yeah, well, I, I feel a little awkward with this because, you know, this is new to me and I don't really know what to expect. I promise you this is not going to be uncomfortable for us to say God bless you and give you one of these or for you to get it online. We're not going to pester you and torment you and bother you. But i got to tell you something. You're in good company. Last Sunday morning we had 26 people come forward and say, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. So you're growing in God's big family. His family's growing, so are you. So God bless you. Get involved and let God be big in your life. Now the last part of our service today, normally I have one of the staff members do the offering. I'm going to do the offering today for a very specific reason. This is the time in service where we honor God with our giving. We understand what the scripture says. We give back to God because he has blessed our lives. He's been faithful. We give to God in faith. There are a number of reasons why we give to God. But today I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. And I want to take about two or three minutes to tell you about a project that we at the Bridge Church have taken on. One of the things that we do is we address needs in our community, especially through community care and different outreaches. Through our regular services, we do a lot of things in our community, but we're also involved in ministry around the world. We're involved with missions groups pretty much on every continent. Your giving to the church touches the world. It literally does. And I want to say thank you for that. But there's a project, and I told you about this two weeks ago, and this is the day when I want to kind of launch it and put it in your hands you have been such a giving church the last several years, and every year we take on one or two projects. Last year it was a little limited because the situation was so weird. We did some things beyond what we normally do. We didn't make a big deal of it. But this year we are building a church in Kenya, East Africa. Three years ago we built one church there. This year we're building another church. And as a matter of fact, last Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, they had their first service in that building. It's because of your faithfulness in giving. And I want to just show you some pictures real quick. I think we've got them. They're not real clear on this screen, but here you see them beginning to, by hand, dig the foundation. There's no backhoe, no easy way of doing it. They're tearing up the ground with old, simple hose, but they've got the shovels at work and the hose working, and they are there digging the foundation. There you can see it dug around the building, and they're beginning to work with the cement to get it all prepared. Next picture there you see the, the foundation in blocks being laid. Next picture, there's the structure going up, the framing going up for the building. Next picture, there's the building almost finished. And I love this because in Africa, they use those beautiful, strong colors to make sure everybody knows what the church is. Okay, next building, here's the, the finished product pretty much. There's a few little things. 
That's the finished product. Uh, every church has to have bathrooms. We've got bathrooms. Can you say amen for bathrooms? Even in Africa, we need the bathrooms, okay? That's being finished right there and a place to do some storage. And then uh, is there one more picture? Is that the last one? That's the last one. Okay, so this is what we built, and here's the deal. We just went ahead in faith, and we sent the money to them out of our missions fund. And I believe God wants to give us an opportunity. Ann and I have talked about it already. We know what our part is. Uh, actually, uh, we're also paying for a pastor's salary for the first year there at the church. They still need some chairs. They need a sound system, an electric generator, power going from the street, one or the other. There's still some work to be done there. But we at the Bridge Church are going to do this this year. And here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like you to join me. You know, you guys are so faithful in your regular giving. Continue to give regularly. But I'm going to ask everybody to join in sacrificially and do something towards this project. If you're giving online, there's a line item there. It'll say the Kenya Project. Let me tell you something. We're, we're planning this church in an area that's predominantly Muslim. Very strong Muslim area. But there's a strong church not too far away that has already established their church and they've trained a pastor and they've sent him there to pastor this church. So we're building a building because the local church is the hope of the world. So I want to say to you today, please join me. Ann and I have made our commitment. I know what we're going to do. We're going to do this and more. We're going to take care of getting this church up and running and a lot of people are going to come to Jesus because we're connecting people with God and connecting people with people. So as you give today, God bless you. Take some time, pray about it. We're going to spend the rest of this month and the next couple of Sundays past today talking about this, encouraging people to give. And as soon as the need is met, I'll let you know. And if there is overflow, we'll provide the extra things that they need there. Every penny we give towards this will go towards this Kenya project. So God bless you today. And then just before we go, don't forget this week with all that's going on, Friday night, special Bridge Women event. It's going to be awesome. The women's events are always great. Uh, if, if you're a single man, you might want to come work the parking lot. You never know what God might do. <laughs> no, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> My wife's shaking her head. No, no, never mind. Yeah, never. If you're a married man, you need to stay away, okay? That's, that's for sure. Last part is, and then Saturday morning, I know, I know, my wife's embarrassed now. Isn't it great? Isn't it great that God gives you a spouse just the opposite of you so you can embarrass her in front of everybody? Then last thing, Saturday morning, men, we're having our event at 8.30. These Bridge Men events have been awesome. We invite every man to come join us. We have some snacks, time of discussion, talking about God's Word. It's really great. You'll enjoy it. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week.